I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. I want to show you a question that I am often asked, and that is, what's the best Bible to get? And I am often asked this because there is an emphasis on reading your Bible here at His Place. And I can tell you, uh, after decades of both studying and teaching, I can give you a definitive answer. Uh, The one you'll read. (laughs) That's the Bible you get. It's like asking, you know, which if you've been if you've been a believer a long time, you read your Bible. This isn't you I'm talking to. I'm talking, you know, when you're first getting in the Bible, it's like, okay, I want to do this right. It's like asking which piano is best. When you first start playing. Does it matter all that much? It really doesn't. Because if you're serious about playing, then you'll be practicing and upgrading as you go. You'll find. You'll you'll be reading. You know, we did the Action Bibles a few years ago. Love the Action Bibles. They put the pictures in your head. And then people go, well, now all of a sudden, I want a different kind of Bible. Okay. Since it's close to Easter... I thought it would be fun to dig into the empty tomb. Not the one Jesus rose from. Not the one Lazarus rose from. Can you think of the other? Of course, I gave it away, didn't I, with Legion? Maybe. It's the one vacated. The one vacated the tomb. Vacated by the escaped, chain-breaking, totally naked, self-mutilated, and insane Gadarene who was holed up in the tombs across the Sea of Galilee, uh, right across from Capernaum, Jesus' uh, home office, and who was teeming with a legion, that's lots and lots, it's like a Roman army division, teeming with a legion of demons until Jesus arrived and uh, sent them squealing into about 2,000 pigs. You see, Hebrews chapter 1 says, in the past, now We're going to do a parallel here, so so pay attention. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. That's like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob slash Israel. He had both names. But in these last days, now that uh, began about 2,000 years ago for us, right? When they wrote that. So about 2,000 years ago. uh, He has spoken to us by his son who died and rose. About 2,000 years ago. But about 2,000 years before that, Jacob slash Israel just died. Genesis 49. So Jacob slash Israel called his sons, his 12 sons, uh, who became the 12 tribes of Israel, and said, gather together that I, as a forefather, may tell you, because God's going to speak through this forefather, okay? may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. You know, when God speaks to Jesus, about 2,000 years after this moment here. And so then he blesses his sons. But when he gets to son number seven, Gad, he suddenly just shouts, I have waited for your salvation, O Lord, for your Yeshua, for your Jesus It's the first time Jesus' name mentioned in the Bible. Right there. Just right before Gad. Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for your Jesus. Gad, let's go on. 
Gad, son number seven of the land of the Gadarene. Gad, a troop, that's the Hebrew, Greek, it's a legion. Shall tramp upon him, literally, the land of Gad. But he shall triumph at last, at the last. He's telling them what will happen at the last. But he shall try, well, who shall, Gad? No, 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 Yeshua, Jesus, salvation. I'm waiting on him. Tell you what will happen in the last days. I'm guessing he is definitely talking about the last. When God spoke through his son, Yeshua, literally spoke salvation through the guy named Salvation in the desolate land of Gad to the Gentiles while it was literally being trampled on by about 2,000 pigs and a legion of demons all inside that one lone Gadarene. When Yeshua, salvation, Jesus triumphed, coincidentally, whether it's intentional or not, with a pig for each year that Jacob had to wait. I think that's funny. And it all took place the very same night and just after the hurricane. Remember? Jesus ordered a hurricane to stop blowing. It's not just a wind. It was a hurricane. Stop blowing. And it did. And then told those massive waves that were swamping the boats to stop moving. They did. And so the boys are freaked out and terrified of him momentarily. They got over it. But they were freaked out because they had no idea they were just doing Psalm 107. Remember we talked about that. You know the old, the old tempest that lifted high the waves. And in their peril their courage melted away. They were at their wits end. Remember we said you should really call on them at our wits beginning. They were at their wits end where we usually call on God. Then they cried out to the Lord and he stilled the storm to a whisper. And the waves of the sea were hushed. And right about here I forget I'm reading the Old Testament psalm. I think I'm reading the gospels. It's like wait, wait, okay that's right. This isn't the story. It's what they were doing. But poor boys, poor boys. They have no idea. About 84 of them. They have no idea they are about to do what God spoke to Gad. Which might be a little more frightening than the wind and the waves. Noah, uh, last week, you said my sermon, my Easter sermon lit you up. And it did, I could tell the way you were preaching last Sunday. Lit him up. But I gotta say, your sermon, mister, his sermon last Sunday, if you haven't heard it, get it, lit me up. It was all about loading in the stories so you can hear God's voice. <clears throat> if anything lights me up, is it because about 15 years ago, about 15 years ago, I came to my Psalm 107 wits end moment with the Bible. With the Bible. I studied it lots. Grew up with it. Believed it. But I walked in, uh, Ken Eckley works the booth over there. He's been here forever. Good friend of mine. I walked in his office and I threw my Bible on his desk because I could do this with Ken. And I said, and this is, this is what I said. I threw it down and I said, if God can't write a book that makes sense, he can't be God. At which point, I, call, I asked him if I had permission to share this. This is our relationship. <laughs> At which point, I was so angry. And I was just, that Bible, if God can't write a book that makes sense, he can't be God. And he swivels around in his chair and he pats his lap and he says, tell daddy what the problem is. <laughs> That's why he's my best friend. 
It was just the lightheartedness I needed. I just started laughing. And so I sat down and just poured my heart out. That began my escape from my me-deep despair. By the end of the conversation, I was, so it's me, isn't it? It's not the Bible, it's me. It's me. And my, oh my, how that has all changed. I mean, so dramatically, it's crazy. I don't know who that guy was before that. See, I didn't go to seminary. I guess I do know who he was. He's the guy that didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to seminary. I went to film school, as a lot of you know. I thought I'd be a producer, not a pastor, because I enjoyed, I loved reading scripts far more than scripture. But turns out, to my delight, I was reading it wrong. I read it wrong. You see, scripture isn't written in theology which I thought it was, and it's how I approached it. Theology's good. Theology's just our beliefs and theories on what is written. But it's written almost entirely in story. I've been so focused on theology, I just missed it, you know. But that's like Noah said, it's a bunch of stories written for For God's kids. Tough on Pharisees, but kids love it. So you want to find his way? Well, then act like his kid. Get this in your head. He doesn't ask us to comprehend it or control it just to know it. Just to know it. That's totally doable. That is totally doable. We know a lot of it already. But he doesn't want you to just know it. He wants you to enjoy it. Uh, It's harder. And get absorbed in it. See, when I came to my wit's end, I realized that I didn't enjoy it because I barely knew it. Which you have to understand, as, as a pastor at the time, you have to understand this came as quite a shock to me because it's the old study versus story that you were talking about last Sunday. He's like, that, yes, yes. That is what it was. I read so much about it. Just not so much it, it. You know, just now read it. Read a story. I wanted to understand what, what everyone thinks. But I'm telling you, that's the only way it ultimately works is it, it. In you, in your heart. No one can do that for you. We help each other Load it in, okay? And he sorts it out. And then he uses whatever you've stored up to speak. It's so simple that it's easy to ignore. We're ignoring it. Till we need it, of course. Till we need it. And then we don't even put two and two together. You know, when we're praying for an answer and we don't know why God's not talking. But imagine yourself earnestly asking seriously for an answer that you need in prayer and having every example from every story stored up in your heart as you're asking. Think it'd be any easier to hear? Well, I'm here to tell you, I've tried it. It is. The more you put in, the more he has to speak through. So I not only studied it, I didn't stop studying it, I love to study it, but I tried to enjoy it. And that was tough at first, to just enjoy it, because you've got to trust the author. 
You're reading all this stuff, you're going, does it really make sense? Uh, tough at first, like anything worth anything, until the moment, and I know many of you have had this moment many times, and I know it's exciting for you when you do. Till the moment you're reading it, or hearing it, or sharing it, it happens a lot when you're sharing it, and suddenly a piece from a whole other part that you're not even thinking about suddenly appears in your head and connects itself to the piece you have, and you don't know where it came, it just does it, and you realize it's talking. It's talking. Don't miss that. You've, you've had that moment. If you know your Bible, you've had that moment where I was just talking to this guy and I was telling him this verse and all of a sudden it's like, that and, and I'm, I'm teaching myself. <laughs> it's like, you don't just realize it's talking, you realize it's talking to you. And not by magic. Oh, I hate Christian magic. Not by magic. By his word. By your faith. Because Everything in it connects. Everything. It's not really a magic trick. You just start putting it in, and as soon as it can find a piece that it just directly connects to, it will. Jesus said, <clears throat> If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin or stumbles them, it would be better for him to be thrown into oh, the sea with a large a millstone tied around his neck. And here's my question. Do you think Jesus just says random stuff? <laughs> you know? It's like, he's just saying random stuff. It's like, ah, see, millstone neck. Makes a good point, right? See, right here, what he's doing in this specific case, he's warning the hard-hearted, legalistic heads of the house of Israel to stop using the law of Moses legalistically to keep the children of Israel from receiving the living word of the Lord in their heart. So what better reference than to just pull Leviathan out, you know, the serpent of the sea from Job 41. It's like, not, not your usual go-to unless you're Jesus. Leviathan. Yeah, Leviathan. The Lord told Job that Leviathan's heart is as hard as stone. Oh, and get this. Even as hard as the lower millstone, huh? The lower millstone? <laughs> no, we don't know that. We don't know what that means. Of course you don't. That's why we dig. Even as hard as the lower. Oh, and Leviathan, by the way, is king over all the children of pride. Wait, what? He's a dinosaur. He's king over all the children of pride. Uh, but Psalm 74 says that you, O oh God, are my king. You know what? Psalm 74. You, not Leviathan, right? That's <laughs> not my king. You, O oh Lord, uh, you, O oh God, are my king. You bring salvation, Yeshua, Jesus, his name, upon the earth. You split open the sea by your power and crush the heads of Leviathan. Wait, what? You crush the heads of Leviathan? Yeah, crush the heads of Leviathan. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. But a sword. Because Isaiah said in 27, In that day the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan. Right? The fleeing serpent. Leviathan. That twisted serpent. Oh, that Leviathan. <laughs> that Leviathan, huh? Hmm. 
And he will slay the reptile, the other versions say the dragon, <laughs> that is in the sea. Sing to her. Sing to her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. Sing to her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. Okay. So here's, here's so far. Let's uh, just take stock. Number one, Leviathan's a her. And two, what's God got against Leviathan, huh? That dinosaur did something to bother. It's like, what's going on? This is your Bible. My commentaries say uh, she's either Loton of uh, Ugaritic mythology or a marine dinosaur that survived the flood or a whale of a tail or a giant crocodile. But you know what I say? I say something much simpler. I say, why in the world should we sing to her a vineyard? I, the Lord, keep it. That's what I want to know. And see, if you ask that question, then the Bible goes, oh, well, then I'll just tell you. It's 22 chapters earlier. It's because Isaiah said in chapter 5, let me sing, okay? Will you let me sing? No, we won't. Otherwise, we'd be singing to Leviathan that she's a red vineyard. Let me sing, okay, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. He cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. <laughs> For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Oh, wait, so it's not a real vineyard? No, no, you all know this. It's just all symbols. It's a symbol. Well, next you'll be telling me it's not a real sea monster. <laughs> wait, is it? See for yourself. Uh, Jeremiah writes, to what can I liken or compare you? This is Old Testament. It is just at its best right here. This is what it does. What can I liken or compare you, O daughter uh, Jerusalem? What example can I show you? For great as the sea is your downfall. And then it stops there because that's the example. There's the sea. And P.S., everything in Leviathan's big lengthy description in Job is found hidden throughout Scripture describing rebellious Israel. You want a project this week? Just go through Isaiah, find all the places they breathe fire. (laughs) So why is Leviathan's stone-cold heart like a lower millstone? Why is this millstone? Why does it got to be a lower millstone? Well, that's a good question. So you know what I did? I went to Google Images and wrote lower millstone. And guess what came up? What, the first page, it came up one from Capernaum from the time of Jesus. That's it. That's the upper part. That's the part that sits on the ground. That part goes over it. And you pour the grain in the top. You turn it around and it spills out. That's a uh, lower millstone from Capernaum from the time of Jesus. And it turns out they were in the shape of a human heart. Oh, well, that's, well, that's nothing if not interesting. Shape of a human heart, heart of stone, which hangs around our neck by our jugulars. And if our heart is hardened toward the Lord, we will be driven and tossed in a sea that only He, the living God of the living word, can calm. You see, it all began once upon a time when the Lord gave Moses two tablets of The testimony. Which were just tablets of stone. But written with the finger of God. And they were called the testimony. 
Because Moses was testifying to what would be said in the future. Like when Jesus said to the stone-cold Pharisees on the very day he casts out legion, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come. And so, as Jeremiah says, Judah's sin is engraved on the tablets of their hearts because they received the legalism of the stones from Moses but not the testimony. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's the testimony. Now, see, of this salvation, the prophets searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what the Spirit of Christ who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand, before he emptied himself and became like us in every way. And is the Jesus we know. You see, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Ask me why. Ask me why. Why? You better ask, but I won't tell you. Say it. Why? Okay, you really want to know? I don't know if you know this, because we're talking about Moses. And you know Moses was way before Jesus, right? Because Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Back up again? What? Why did Moses choose to be mistreated back at the Red Sea and all that stuff? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because one, that's who Moses was meeting with face to face. And two, well, he was looking ahead to his reward, which is Jesus Christ. Three, he, Jesus, is the one the whole book is about. It's what it leads to, our salvation. And so now you, you show that you are a letter, like a love letter from Christ, written not with ink, okay? So he's like, come on, people, it's not a real letter. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, you know, like old Leviathan, but on tablets of human hearts. So do as the living God commands you. Store up, and commanded them, store up my commands within you. And you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye and write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leviathan you. <laughs> never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Yeah, you think Jesus just says random stuff. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Everything connects. So you think Jesus speaks random stuff? No, no, we don't. We don't. But do we have to care about what the Old Testament says? Do we have to care? Or do we have to care about the Old Testament parts? It's so boring. No, no, you don't. 
I am not, believe it or not, I'm not telling you to care. I'm telling you to understand, to fathom how it works so you can decide whether or not to get a Bible you'll read and take it to heart on his terms. That's, that is just all your decision. You'll decide. Some of you are all excited. It's like, I'm already doing it. And it's great. But some of you right now are tempted to think, well, that's hopeless. You know, after watching that whole Leviathan little magic show, that's hopeless. It's like a proficient piano player telling me to just sit down and have some fun. Yes, it is. It is like that. And you can. You ever hear, hear of chopsticks? Chopsticks, the moment you begin to make music by yourself or with someone else, your joy will be like mine. It'll be the same. I have, you know, I have so much joy in the Word of God. I'm just busting because of the connections and all. But I had just as much joy with the Word of God five years ago and five years before that and five years before that. Before that, it was... But the last 15 have been <laughs> spectacular. And while you're softening your heart by storing up the clear lessons in the obvious stories. Can you read it? Because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. So read that with me. Storing up the clear lessons in the obvious stories because it's rife with them. Rest assured, your subconscious, you got a little deal going on. Your conscience back there with the Holy Spirit, they, they work behind the scenes. So you rest assured, while you're doing that with the obvious stories and the clear lessons, your subconscious will be collecting the clues that the Lord will suddenly use to speak specifically to you when you need to hear Him most. It's the strangest thing. It's like lower millstones and Leviathan and Legion speaking to me this week. Legion, we got to get Legion in here. You know, after Jesus calmed that storm, there was a dead calm. So I just want you to picture, the boys are rowing, soaking wet, some puking, seasick and scared of Jesus, right? Saying, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him? Couldn't he have left a little wind so we didn't have to row? You know, because with us, it's always something. I had to throw that one in. Make it real. You know somebody said that. <laughs> but up on this hillside, this hillside, among the tombs, possibly inside this very cave. Sorry, I couldn't get a better picture. A hurricane coming to a crashing halt would have raised some curiosity. It would have been an eerie calm even for a demon-filled Gadarene. And though he was known for his screams, well, imagine the noise of Jesus' boys once they got past their fears. I mean, when they realized what just really happened and who is in their boat, <laughs> he just did Psalm 107. You know, we just did Psalm 107. He is Psalm 107. Their voices, of course, you know, alerting a uh, massive swarm of killer demons to who it is that's coming and what 
is coming. And if ever there was a time for a screaming demon to let out a blood-curdling, gathering shriek, this would have been it. And I just like to picture the poor boys in the boat. Uh, Jesus, what are we doing? Didn't you read the script? We're fulfilling God's word to Gad. And so they went silently across the lake in the dark. And when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, well, I got to break in because Jesus did something that you won't find in the gospel stories. But it's straight out of Isaiah regarding this very moment. And likely to his disciples' horror, Jesus screamed, Here I am! Here I am! And a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, when Jesus stepped ashore, the kid staying in the boat, when Jesus stepped ashore, he ran and he cried out. And I'm guessing one of the disciples probably cried out, Egad, we're doing Isaiah 65 <laughs> next Sunday. Yeah, but this is how you're supposed to feel when you're reading the Bible. Yeah, but we're out of time. We got to stop. So let's pray. Father God, we love you and worship you and pursue you to know you. Holy Spirit, inspire us to receive your living word directly into our softening heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for the clear lessons in the obvious stories and all the untold delights you've hidden for us to find. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.